This is Pastor Derek Thomas of Living Witness Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the Living Word Podcast. I pray that today's teaching blesses you, inspires you, and encourages you to live a life worthy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we serve. God bless. Our message found in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be looking today at the fifth chapter, and we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture that is very familiar, I'm sure, to all of us. And it's, it's, it's especially familiar to me because I've uh, addressed it in a variety of circumstances in my life. And each time the Lord has brought me back to addressing it, he's ushered in a new season of my life, a new chapter in the ministry that he has for me to do, and I believe that it's in this hour that he's looking to do the same for us as a body. Um, reading from the New King James Version of God's Holy Word, and what you're going to, what you find written here in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, beginning with verse 15, reads in this fashion. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And verse 17 says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let me read that again. Um, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is is as we speak this morning to the subject sign of the times amen sign of the times we're in the midst of uh, our series as i said earlier entitled vision 2020 and in ushering in this series god has dealt with me on the scope and the vision of this ministry and the scope and the vision of the work that God has for us to do in this hour and in this season. God has called us to do great and marvelous works, and he's called us to do mighty things. And the mighty things that he's called us to do entail us understanding that we have to get out of the mindset of religion, and we have to get out of the mindset that the world would have us in, that the work that we have to do is confined to these four walls. God has called us and equipped each of us uniquely, as we've spoken about in messages past, to do great and marvelous works for him. Each and every day that he's given us, he's given us as a gift, and he's given us more so as an opportunity to be a light in the midst of darkness. Now, you might say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm, I'm confined here, or I can only go there, or because of my condition, I can only do thus and so. Please understand and know that God understands every one of our conditions. As the songwriter wrote, Jesus knows all about our struggles. But it also says that he'll guide us until the day is done. I I love to read, and and one of my favorite books has a line in it that says that these are the times that try men's souls. And as I looked at the plight of our world, as I ushered in a new decade and a new year and a new season, even in my own life, personally, ministerially, and professionally, I realized that the times that we're in now are times of life of which we have never seen before. But these times are just the beginning if we look at the Word of God and really pay attention to what 
even Jesus said concerning the times of tribulation. These are just the beginning. It's like the precursor. This is the, the introduction, the beginning of the end, as it were. So more than ever before, what God is calling us to do is to be mindful and get clarity and understanding of what the vision is for our lives in 2020. Vision is a twofold proposition. And just like 2020 vision is a twofold proposition involving both eyes, it involves the concept of sight as well as vision. As we, as we discussed a, the, a couple of messages ago, you have to have sight and you have to have vision. You not only have to have the long-term vision of what God has for you, but you also have to have the spiritual entombment to know where God is in the midst of every situation that you face. Because oftentimes the enemy would love nothing more than to throw us off track by not allowing us to see where God is in the midst of a situation. But it goes beyond that. We have to be filled with faith enough to continue moving if, even if we can't see God in the midst of the circumstance. This being the weekend where on tomorrow we're going to celebrate Dr. King's birthday as a holiday. One of the favorite sayings that I have of Dr. King is faith is taking a step, taking the first step, even when you don't see the staircase. And God is calling us to move by faith to fulfill the vision, which leads us to our message today. Our message today is written by Paul to a fledgling church similar to ours in a place called Ephesus. The church was started by a gifted couple uh, named Priscilla and Aquila, and that church wrestled with many of the same challenges that believers and non-believers alike today encounter. The influence of false teaching delivered by influential men and women uh, has led to a, a scriptural and religious crisis that has escalated to the point of critical mass in today's society. We can't turn our TV on without hearing about a crisis here or a crisis there. There's a constitutional crisis in Washington. There's a military crisis in Iran. There's a, a health crisis in the country because diseases that we thought we had defeated are now back with a vengeance. There, there are crises seem seemingly everywhere. And these crises have escalated us as a society to the point of critical mass. Critical mass is a term in physics that means that all it's going to take is one more thing for this whole thing to blow. When something gets to critical mass, that's the point where all it takes is a spark for it to explode. But I have good news for you. Even though the world is at a point of critical mass, spiritually we as God's people have been at a constant state of critical mass since Christ rose from the dead. This is why he's saying go into all the world and make disciples. You have all the components and all the ingredients that you need. You're at a point of critical mass, the spark is identifying the times that in which you live, identifying that these indeed are times that try men's souls. But in the time of trial is the proving of God and who he is that brings about change in the lives of others. So if we're in the midst of times that try the souls of men and women, this is where we prove God now, as it says in Malachi, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. And see, he says, if I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you'll not have room enough to receive. As I've said in times past, the word of God is truly universal and is truly comprehensive. And in, and, and in that particular passage of scripture, people tend to equate it religiously with money, the tithe. And while it does apply there, universally, it applies to everything that God has given us. If we give God the very best of our effort, the very best of our gifts, the very best of our talents, what he'll do is he'll take them 
and he'll multiply them. And he'll not only bless the people that we're serving, but he'll bless us for our service. But we have to identify the times in which we live. More than ever before, people are looking for a sign to guide them in these trying times. And here in our text, what Paul is doing is offering us sound advice designed to remind us of the need to be keenly aware of our surroundings and lift up the name of Jesus in the midst of the mayhem. Amen. We have to understand that the lives that we live, they don't belong to us. The Bible tells us once we say yes to Jesus that, that don't you understand and know that we're not our own, but we've been bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to God. And because we belong to God, God desires us. Dare I say mandates us to do the work that he's called us to do. Not from a point of being a slave, but instead in a point of being a son or a daughter. So that we can reap the benefits of what our father has given to us. Our word here is a reminder to us to remember our purpose and execute his plan. Because we must understand the signs of the times in order to fulfill the vision that God has given us. And for us here in ministry in 2020, our vision must be to understand the signs of the times. And no matter how we feel, remember our purpose and remember to execute. Amen. There are days we may wake up, we may not feel like executing. Dare I say, we may not even feel like we're saved because we might be going through some things. The enemy might be coming in, as the word says, like a flood. But this is where we have to remember what the word says. Though the enemy comes in like a flood, God says, I have lifted up a standard against him. It might look bad, but it's not going to consume you. A thousand might fall at your side and 10,000 by your right hand. But the word says, but it will not come near you. The weather was bad out this past Friday. And my fiance and I were out in the weather because her birthday was yesterday. And we were driving somewhere. And in listening to the reports, they were saying throughout the reports that the weather is bad and there are spin outs here and there are accidents there and there's all this mayhem happening and times were doubled and tripled. Trips that should have taken 20 and 30 minutes were taking an hour and a half and two hours. It was just horrible out. And it seemed like there was no relief anywhere. There were no salt trucks out. There was no plows out. It seemed like everything was just in chaos. And of course, in the midst of that, against that backdrop, we had somewhere to go. Before we left, I prayed, silently prayed, just asked the Lord to cover us and to keep us as we traveled. And of course, by God's grace, he did. Now, it didn't mean that we didn't see a lot of things out there. It didn't mean that we didn't have times where we slid a little bit. There was one time in particular on the journey where someone was gracious enough to slow down to let me in. And I had my signal on, and I was doing everything that I needed to do, and I was giving my car gas, and seeing the marks giving my car gas, and I had the wheels pointed to go for it to go left. The car kept sliding right, and that was a problem because there was a parked car sitting over there. So what I had to do, and I need you to catch this because this is what God needs us to do sometimes. What I had to do in the midst of my drive to try to get over to the left to get resituated, I had to actually stop my car, readjust my position, and start again. 
Now, it was frustrating for the person behind me because he was honking his horn. But because I took the extra moment to stop and adjust and try again, I was able to move into the right position. In the midst of having vision this year, God may be calling you to stop and adjust. You may be trying to do things and trying to move out, and you might be like my car. The more gas you're giving it, the more drive you're giving it, the more you seem to be sliding away from it. God is saying, stop. Read the signs of the times. Gain an understanding of your perspective. This is the first point of how we execute God's plan. Move with precision. We have to move with precision. Primarily gentlemen, but ladies, I'm sure as well, you may have at some point in time as well. Guys, you know, we, 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 if we have facial hair, we shave. And ladies, you may shave your legs at one point. You may have shaved your legs at one point in time as well. I know for me, when I go shopping, and my dad taught me this. My dad said, when you go shopping for a razor blade, find yourself a razor that moves with precision across your face. And I was like, 14, so I'm looking at him like, what the heck are you talking about? And he said, you don't want to have a razor, and I need you to catch this, you don't want to have a razor that's, that, that doesn't slide across your face smoothly when you put the shaving cream on your face because if you have a razor that, that catches here and that catches there, or that if it hits a stubborn hair, it, it, it catches your skin and it stops, that's how nicks form, and what a nick is, if you've ever been nicked, that's when you cut a little too deep because the blade stuck someplace too long. Because the blade is designed to help unless it gets stuck somewhere too long. And when it gets stuck somewhere too long, it can hurt you. And I didn't understand that because I was trying to be cheap. I went and bought a cheap razor blade and I was shaving one day, and I noticed that I had to keep stopping, and, and each time I stopped, I was like, ouch, and I kept shaving, and I wasn't paying attention until I looked in my face and I was done, and I had all these red spots on my face. So I had to get tissue and put all, so I had, it looked like I had the chicken pox when I walked out of the bathroom. So my dad looked at me and said, you didn't listen, you didn't take my advice, I told you to get a blade that moves with precision because when you get a blade that moves with precision, it only takes away the things that are not needed and it does that so that the things that are needed can be accented. God desires us to move with precision because our job is not to take people out. Our job is to take out the things that keep people separated from God. But often what we do is we allow ourselves to move in this flesh instead of listening to God's spirit and paying attention to the signs of the times. And sometimes we wind up doing more harm than good. Look at what it says in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but it's wise. In our text, the word circumspectly means literally, accurately or precisely with great care. So it says here, see then that you walk accurately and precisely with great care. Paul here is admonishing the members of the church to live morally because living morally is living wisely before others. We gotta understand that the lives that we live are not about us. We're not living our lives for us. We're living our lives by God's grace for others. Jesus didn't live his life for himself. Jesus lived his life to be the perfect sacrifice for us. 
We sometimes close our minds to thinking that the sacrifice part came when he hung on the cross. No, the sacrifice part came throughout his entire life because the word says concerning Jesus, he was tempted just like me and you at every point. But the difference is he didn't sin. The difference is he sacrificed his own desires, his own will, his own way, his own mind with the understanding that he was doing it to be a blessing to other people. He understood my life is not mine. I have to live wisely because people are watching me. People are paying attention to me. And the words that I say and the things that I do and the thoughts that I have and the, and, and, and the actions that I take can harm someone or help someone based on what I do. Like that razor with moves, that moves with precision across your face or across your legs or across wherever you may shave, it strips away what's not wanted. It strips away the stubble of sin. It strips away the stubble of lack. It strips away the stubble of discouragement and it leaves behind a clear and straight edge where people see the difference between, between living for Christ and living outside of Christ. That's how God desires us to live. Biblically, a fool is not so named because of intellectual limits because it says here, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. But it's more so because of unbelief and the consequent abominable deeds. This person lives apart from God and against God's law and can't comprehend the truth or his true condition. Far too many of us that have professed the name of Jesus Christ have gotten caught up in the religion game and more concerned with our posture in the building instead of our placement in the kingdom. And here's what I mean by that. Religion is religion defined, and I'm using a, a, a working definition. And I'll use I'm gonna use I'm gonna use what most people use. I'm gonna use football just for right now. People will watch football games religiously. Meaning they'll put they'll make sure that they carve out time to watch that game. They're not gonna carve out any time before it. They're not gonna carve out any time after it. They're gonna make sure that that three and a half to four hour block is for football and nothing else. When that three and a half to four hour block is gone, they're gonna go back to their old ways. If they're a loud person, if they're a rowdy person, if they're a person that keeps up confusion and chaos, they're going to be quiet for those four hours while the football game is on. Because every Sunday is football day. I'm a Bears fan. I love my Bears in spite of the condition that they're in right now. Every Sunday at 12 o'clock, unless they're playing Sunday night or Thursday, I'm watching the football game. I become a Bears fan. But here's the difference. Kingdom business is more than just a position. Kingdom business is a mindset. You heard me say that I'm a Bears fan. Being a Bears fan transcends noon to 3 o'clock or noon to 4 o'clock. Being a Bears fan means on Wednesday when somebody's bad-mouthing my Bears, I'm going to speak up for them. Being a Bears fan means that on Saturday morning, when I'm getting ready for work, 
instead of listening to something that is not going to help me in the form of music, I'm going to turn the radio on and listen to, the, listen to what they're saying about my bears. Being a Bears fan means that I eat, I sleep, I breathe all things Chicago. I eat, breathe, and sleep all things blue and orange. Now my fiance lives in Milwaukee, so that's a different story because she's a Packers fan, but I love her anyway. But my point is this. Far too many of us are taking a religious approach concerning our walk. And some people get so comfortable with their position in the church that they neglect their position in the kingdom. And that's where you're reading the wrong sign. That's where you're not moving with precision. That's where you're allowing the world to come in. That's where if someone looks at an individual that's a believer walking in that mindset religiously, and they look at a non-believer, depending on the time and the signs that are being given off, it's hard to tell them apart. But the word tells us as true believers that we've got to be peculiar. We've got to act royal. We've got to be holy. They've got to know that we're different. They've got to see that we're different. And if we look at the times out there, it behooves us to walk with spiritual precision. Because more than ever, ever before, people are looking for something different. People are looking for something to fill the hole in their heart and their spirits that only Christ can fill. So we gotta avoid behaving like fools and instead carefully move through the seasons of life guided by God, amen. We have to allow God to guide us. We have to do, our prayer every day has to be what David wrote in the 119th Psalm, verse 133, order my steps in your word, God, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. The emphasis there is any. No matter how big or how small that any can throw you. Because all it takes is one hair, I'm a living witness of that, one hair that that razor hits the wrong way is gonna cause a nick. And that nick is gonna cause a scar. And if I keep it nicking that place long enough, a couple of things are gonna happen. Not only is that scar gonna become permanent, but more importantly, hair's not gonna grow there. And you may say, okay, that's the whole point. Well, remember, styles change. If you think back 20 to 30 years ago, facial hair wasn't in for men. But now everybody you know is trying to grow a beard because that's a style. But if an individual wants to get to the point of being in line, but because of damage that's been done, they've been left, they've left, they've been left rather unable to grow what needs to be grown. They've left themselves at a deficit. We have to be mindful of the signs of the times because like a sign on the expressway, people are reading the signs. And if you're giving off the wrong signs, you can send somebody in the wrong direction, a direction that they can't recover from. One thing I learned early in my walk and in ministry, even in leadership, through trial and error, is that people watch you closest when you think you're not being watched at all. When you think nobody's watching, that's when people are watching you closest. When you think that there's nobody paying attention to you, that's when in your mind and in your spirit you have to have the word resonating when it's where it says, mark the perfect man or woman and know 
their ways and learn them. You have to understand that you are that perfect man. You are that perfect woman. Not flawless, but mature enough to understand that you have to move with precision and allow God to lead. Because as long as you're moving with godly precision and God is leading, wherever it is that you go, whatever it is that you do, is going to make a positive difference. But if on the off chance you slip, and we all do, the word says concerning David, he was a man after God's own heart, yet David was found guilty of murder and adultery. Yet God accepted him. The reason why he accepted him is he did the second thing that we have to do. And that's act with contrition. Amen. Not only must we move with precision, but when we make a mistake and cause a nick, we got to act with contrition. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's what I mean. Don't be so bold, don't be so bullheaded and so bold and so prideful that if you say something to hurt somebody's feelings, you can't come back and say that you're sorry. You can't come back and apologize. Don't be so pig-headed that if you say something that you know, that you find out later is incorrect, you can't come back to that individual and say, you know what, I was wrong about that. That makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. And here's how it makes a big difference. Look at what it says in verse 16. It goes on from verse 15. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. That phrase, redeeming the time, is critical there. In our text, the Greek word for time denotes a fixed, measured, allocated season. And here, Paul is using it to refer to the lifetime of a believer. So if we start putting this together, he's saying between verses 15 and 16, see then that you move through life with godly precision and accurately, with wisdom. And don't be in a position where you're living apart from God and against his word, but instead position yourself to be positively productive in the fixed, measured, and allocated season that's been given to you on the earth as a believer. We have to understand that though we serve an infinite God and we're pursuing eternal life, we're in a finite state here in the earth. To everything, there's a season, as Solomon wrote, and a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time for us to be born, and guess what? There's a time for us to check out of here. But what we do, as I, and I've said this countless times, when you look at a tombstone, you see a birth year, you see a transition year, and you see a dash in the middle. We're in the midst of our dash right now, in the middle. And it's what we do in that dash that determines where we go after that last year. I know where my mother is because I know during her dash how she lived, how she carried herself. I also know individuals that, as much as it pains me to say it, based on what I saw, unless they had a repentant heart at the moment of transition, I know where they are. What we have to do is realize that we're to make the most of our time on this evil earth and fulfilling God's purposes by taking advantage of every opportunity we're given to worship and serve others in the name of the Lord. That means in the good times as well as the bad times. 
That means when we get it right and even more so when we get it wrong. There's nothing more compelling than an individual that can come to you or that you can go to and say, you know what, I got that wrong and let me tell you how I got it wrong. That's part of what our testimony is. A testimony is nothing more when we testify of God's goodness of how God has met us in the midst of our brokenness and showed us blessedness to the point that he's changed our circumstances. But you can't be at that point if your pride won't allow you to acknowledge and admit that you missed it somewhere. In my studies in psychology, now I get it scientifically when they say in the 12-step program, the, the adage that admission is the first step towards recovery. Admission is the first step towards recovery because when one admits that they have an issue, that means that their mind and their heart and their spirit are aligned in the reality of the first tenet of living for God, that we are not our own. We don't have the capacity to fix what's wrong with us. If we did, guess what? We wouldn't need a savior. We wouldn't need to be saved. You only need to be saved if you can't do, I don't know how to swim. So God forbid, if I fall into Lake Michigan, do you think I'm gonna be too proud to call out for help? No, why? Because my life is at stake. Can I let you in on a little secret? That's how each and every one of us are every day as we live. Our spiritual lives are at stake. So if we miss it, we have to be willing to call out to God, Lord, help me. I need you. And when he helps me, be willing to tell somebody that may be drowning the same thing. We're drowning. You know what? I was drowning like you. But you know what? If you call out to the Lord like I did, he'll help you just like he helped me. That's how God desires us to redeem the time. But what some people do is they let their condition determine their position in the kingdom. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. Well, because I'm a leader in a church, because I'm a pastor, I can't, I can't tell anybody that I'm having financial struggles. I can't tell anybody that, that I'm having struggles emotionally. I can't tell anybody that I'm afraid of this. I can't tell anybody that my faith is weak at this time. How can I do that? I'm a pastor. People are going to look at me funny. No, they're going to look at you funny if you don't and the manifestation of the struggles that you have overtake you. Because we've got to be willing to be open and transparent in the good times as well as the bad. With the understanding and belief that God is faithful to his word. Because the Bible says, judge ye not lest ye be judged, because the same manner by which you judge somebody is the same manner by which you're going to be judged. Galatians 6 and 1 says, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, you which who are spiritual or who which are being led by the Spirit at that time, go restore that individual in a spirit of meekness, which is power under control. Because there's nothing more than God's grace that is not you. Each of us are going to be on both sides of that scripture at some point in our lives. And how we act when we're on the upside is going to directly dictate how we're treated when we're on the downside. Because the principle of sowing and reaping works in every aspect of life and ministry. So if we have a kingdom mindset, we're not worried about what it might look like. We're not worried about what that looks like. When the woman had the issue of blood, she wasn't worried about what it looked like. 
She wasn't worried about how she looked. She wasn't worried about how she felt. She wasn't worried about the perception of the people. All she was worried about is her vision and her sight line. If I could just get to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, all I got to do is fix my eyes on God. If I can just fix my eyes on Christ and set him as my course, set him as my destination, set him as my vision, I can find my way through the crowd. I don't have to worry about not getting there because my vision is set on getting my healing from Christ. So I got to keep Christ in my sight line. She may have to move to the left. She may have to move to the right. She may have to crawl under some people. She may have to say, excuse me. She may have fell a few times. She may have been ridiculed and talked about, but her vision never wavered from her destiny. Her vision never wavered from her healing and her sight was always on Jesus. That's how we have to be. We can't worry about what people say about us. We can't worry about our position and standing in society. We've got to understand that our position in the kingdom is at stake and be mindful of the signs of the times. So as a result, we have to understand that the mistakes of our past are in fact the mechanisms to our future and use our testimonies of them as a means to share the good news with the lost. Sometimes the worst things we go through can be not only the best teachers to us, but the best testimonies to others. Because we sometimes will allow our pride to keep us from being the blessing that God desires us to be. Amen. The Bible says that, that, that God resists the proud, but guess what? He gives grace to the humble. And God's grace means that we have the right to live and continue on in spite of our guilt, in spite of our sin. God loves us enough to keep us in the midst of our shortcomings. In Romans 8 and 28, it says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to not our own purpose, to his purpose. The things that we go through, through, we have to realize that they're not about us. Some of them are the result of decisions that we've made, poor decisions that we've made. But all things work together for good. For those who love the Lord and for those who are called according to his purpose. Meaning we have to keep God's vision as our vision. And we have to continue to not allow ourselves to lose sight of God's vision for our lives. The Lord may tell me to tell you all to, to we're gonna fast this long and after that we're gonna go do this and we're gonna go do that. And you may look at me like, Pastor, you crazy. We can't do that because I can't. We can't do that because I'm not able to. We can't do that because I don't know. And my response to you will be like, it, it's all right because I might not either, but you know what? What I do know is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And guess what? If I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, so can you. Which leads us to the last point. And that's sharing God's vision with admonition. Now, you've heard me use the word admonition a few times. Admonition is the step beyond ministry. Ministry defined is the word to help. A minister is one that's been called to help. But I learned during my time away that what God is looking for 
in this new season, in this, in this new decade, is for us to move past ministry. He wants us to move through ministry to the point of admonition. Admonition defined is actively helping someone to reach their desired end. It's one thing to be a minister, but being a minister without a spirit to admonish others is like being a cheerleader with no pom-poms and no desire to even be there. It goes back to what I said before. You know, being a minister without admonition is like religiously showing Sunday, okay, I'm here, I'm going to give you 30 minutes of my time, yeah, praise the Lord, all right, let's go home. But when you are one that admonishes, you're praying with and for your people, you're fellowshipping with your people, you're encouraging your people, and in turn, your people are encouraging you, and they're fellowshipping for you, and they're praying for you. Admonishment means taking an active role in bringing about that change. When you read a sign on the road and the sign says, wherever you're going, 10 miles, it don't mean you pull over and stop and say, well, okay, I've achieved my goal. I know I'm 10 miles away. The 10 miles aren't going to come to you. You still have to do the work to get those last 10 miles. But the sign is admonishing you to keep going because you're moving in the right direction. It's admonishing you to keep going because you're making progress. Far too many of us don't want to be those signs. But it's important to be that sign. Here's why in verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So let's put all this together to get to this point. Paul is basically saying, to be mindful of the fact that your calling is to move with precision throughout life, led by God, so that you can take every waking moment that you have in the season that you've been allocated to make a godly difference in the lives of others, to move them away from the evil that the world is filled with towards the salvation that God has, simply because you are created to not only help, but actively help people get to this point so that they in turn can go out and do the same thing. In our text here, the words knowing and understanding, knowing and understanding God's will rather, excuse me, through his word is spiritual wisdom. That's the end game here. We want to move people to the point, not only of salvation, but into spiritual wisdom. Salvation is like the front door of this building. In order to get to the spiritual wisdom. If this room is spiritual wisdom, this sanctuary where we are is spiritual wisdom, I can't get there till I come through the front door. And yes, the celebration happens when I come through the front door. But once I get through the front door, I don't just rejoice in the foyer out there. I can't rejoice, yes, I made it through the front door. I came through the front door for a reason. I didn't come through the front door just for the sake of saying I walked through the front door. I came through the front door for a purpose. <coughs> Excuse me. Some people, though, fail to realize that the time is now to manifest their destiny in the kingdom. They fail to realize that this is your season. Your time is now. All that we have is in our control now. There's a saying, and I don't know, you know you've all heard it. Yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery. All that we have is today. That's why it's called. No, all we have, no. Tomorrow. 
is a mystery, yes it's history. All we have is today, which is a gift from God, and it's called the present. There's a reason why it's called the present. Not only is it, is it something that's in our control, but it's a gift that God has given us. If you stop and think about how many people right now are in the world whose lives are ending at this moment, who wish they had another instant just to tell someone that they love, that they love them, just to fulfill the dreams that they had, just to pursue the goals that they set for themselves one more day. They don't have that time anymore. So every moment that God gives us is a gift, and his desire is for us to use everything that he's given us, every talent he's given us, every grace that he's given us, every iota of wisdom that he's given us, every capacity that he's given us, no matter how diminished you might think it is, is still valuable to the kingdom because the word says that God does not give gifts with repentance, meaning whatever he gave you, he's not sorry he gave it to you. Even if we mess up with it, he's still not sorry he gave it to us. But what he wants us to do is use them to make a difference in somebody else's life because when we do that, we're exhibiting the spiritual wisdom that he's given us to understand that it's not about us, but it's about him. And the time that he wants us to do it is now. If we want to see change in what we see when we turn on the TV, if we want to see change in what we experience when we walk outside our door, if we want to see change in the rhetoric, in the talk, in the vision, in the value system, it takes you and I to take an active role in helping people see that there's a better way and helping people see that there's a man named Jesus. Because he has no other eyes, no other ears, no other hands, no other feet, no other voices but ours. You may not be able to carry a note if it was in a bag and the bag had a handle on it, but guess what? The Bible still says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Because even what you may deem as noise might be the most beautiful song that someone hears because it may lead them to Jesus and change their lives. So the time is now for us to do the work. Because like it says in verse 17, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise, but understand the signs of the times. The signs of the times mandate that more than ever before, we've got to be bold like lions and go to the front lines and let our light shine in such a way so that people will get to know Christ, so that people will see that he's the way, not the direction that they're going, but that he is the way. One of the reasons why cars have headlights on them at night. So you can see where you're going. Because not every road that you're on has street lights. In fact, some of the most intimate roads that you're on that lead to your home and the homes of people that you love may have one street light, if any. And if you live in rural areas, there may be no street lights. How can you see to get to those individuals that you love? More importantly, how can you see to get those individuals that you love out of situations that they might be in without your light on? God is admonishing us to turn and keep our light on. We need our light on in order to be effective in this season. You can't have clear vision without light. 
If you remember in science class, basic sight is based on the premise of light coming into the eye, hitting the cornea, the, 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 the cones in there do what they need to do. They take the images upside down and flip it right side up. But if you have no light, you have no vision. We need our lights on to have vision. This is why we have to be clear and accurate lenses through which God's vision is seen by the lost. I wear glasses, and for those of you that wear glasses, you know good and well that if your glasses are dirty, it's a wrap. I don't care how much you try to see, I don't care how much you need to see, I don't care how much you want to see. If I got smudges in these glasses, I don't care if the font is this big in my notes, I can't see them. Because what I'm looking through to give me a clear sight line is distorted. And it's distorted, catch this, because I've got my fingerprints on it and it's not made for my fingerprints to be on it. When we allow our fingerprints to get on who we are, that causes smudges where people can't see who God is. We need to get ourselves out of the way and let God be God. Flaws and all, we're perfect just as we are. Stop trying to fix the flaw. And I'm not saying don't address it. I'm not saying that it's not important. By all means, continue to be prayerful and ask God to move in the midst of your life in that thing until he does. Rejoice in knowing that you're perfect the way you are and that you're still a work under construction and let your light shine before men and women that they might see your good works and give God glory because they're not looking at you. They're looking through you to see him. That's how God designed it. It says here in Proverbs 11.30, and we're done. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. That's all we've been called to do. Go back to the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey, to obey excuse me, all of my commandments. If you want to make it a simple sentence, go ye into all the world and make disciples, full stop. We weren't called to be lens crafters. We weren't called to go in and perform spiritual LASIK surgery. We weren't called to go in and diagnose this, that, or third. We were called to go into the earth and make disciples. We were called to be voices for the voices. We're called to be sight lines for people to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what we're called to be. We have to read the signs of the times and realize that more than ever before, society, the world is looking for its proverbial spiritual glasses because it can't see. If you're glasses where you know when it's dark and when you first get up and you're trying to look at your your phone or your newspaper or whatever, you need to put your glasses on so you can see it. You see it, but it's blurry. Or maybe it's just me. I know when I do, I gotta put my glasses on, otherwise I can't read a thing clearly. The world is looking for something to make all of this mayhem make sense. You and I, believers, are the proverbial clap, the proverbial lenses through which the world can make sense out of what's happening because through us the world will see and know that this is not our home, we're just passing through. And we have to be going in the right direction because again, a sign missed can lead to a road that you can't recover from. 
We have to be willing to not only be effective signs of the times, but understand the signs of the times so that we can make a difference in time in the lives of others before we are out of time here in the earth. Amen? Amen. We thank and praise God for his word and we thank and praise God for all that he's doing in and through us today. I pray that you were blessed by today's word. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. If you've never taken the opportunity to do either one of those things, won't you join me now in prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you a sinner. I believe that you sent your son to die that I might live. I believe that he lived, died, rose again, ascended to heaven, and is coming back for sinners just like me. I confess my sin, I ask you into my heart, and I ask you into my life. Thank you, Lord, that by faith I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like to welcome you into the household of faith and into a loving relationship of salvation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please email me and let me know of your experience or if you have any prayer requests or praise reports, please email me. The email address is livingtowitness at gmail.com. That's living, the number two, witness at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Pastor Derek Thomas encouraging you to live your life as a living witness.